a woman marries a ghost pirate and is shocked when things get spooky. And then we take a look at a very special story to me. It's a personal story involving true crime, gang warfare, drugs, and the loss of someone very important to me. I call it The Ballad of Jeff Ray, today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. And I hope it leads into a great weekend. So I have a favor to ask you guys though. I'm trying to get this podcast into phase two. I had a dream the other day about the podcast. This actually might have been the first time I dreamt about the podcast. And it was about getting the podcast ready for the next level. So what I would like you guys to do, if you have the time, I would really appreciate it. You can contact me on Twitter at DeadRabbitRadio. You can email me at DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com. Or you can hit me up in the YouTube comments. That works as well. Facebook at DeadRabbitRadio on Facebook as well. But I would just like a little information. It's nothing personal. It's nothing marketing or anything like that. I would just like to know how long you've been listening to the show, what you like about the show, and what you think could be improved. I would like to get your feedback is basically what I'm looking for. And it would be helpful if it was kind of in that structure. How long you've been listening to the show, what you like about the show, and what you think can be improved. So everything has a good and a bad to it. And I would like to hear your version of both. And that will allow me to kind of fine-tune the show. Because really for a year and a half, almost, over a year I guess I should say, I've just been doing it by the seat of my pants. There's no real books on how to do this. There's no resources on how to run like a solo podcast or a daily podcast or anything like that. And as far as I know, everything is going great. But I would like to get feedback from you guys. I would really, I really appreciate your guys' opinion. And whatever way you can reach out to me, that would be great. So I'm going to be talking about this, obviously, on today's episode. And then each episode for the rest of the week, because not everyone listens to every episode. And we're going to start doing a big marketing push, and we're going to see what the show's strengths are and what the show's weaknesses are, and so on and so forth. I'm actually thinking about buying um, ad space in college newspapers. I think that would be a great audience for us. But before we start really growing the show, I want to know what my core audience, you guys, think about it. Before we start bringing in everyone else, a lot of you guys have been listening since episode one. A lot of you guys have gone back and listened through the entire series through, and I really appreciate that. Even if you just listen to one episode, I appreciate that as well. But I want to know how I'm doing. This is basically a report card. So I would really appreciate that information, and let's just go ahead and get started with the episode. Now, this episode I'm going to format a little bit differently, because the main story I'm going to do first, because it's quite depressing, and I thought we could end on a fun note for the weekend. But it was a story that I've been thinking about doing for months and months. And not to get metaphysical or weird or anything like that, but today I was sitting here, I had an entire other episode planned, and I thought, I need to do this episode today. I hope this episode, this first segment, speaks to you. It might actually save you from doing something really, really stupid. If not, just enjoy as much as you can, because it is quite depressing, but Enjoy the story that I call The Ballad of Jeff Ray. Now, Jeff Ray was my uncle. He was born into a family of five. Well, seven? Do you count the parents when you say that? So, 
I'll try to keep this as lighthearted as I can, but mom and a dad, obviously, and then five uh, brothers and sisters. He was the youngest of them, and he was a powerhouse. He was six foot three. His hobby was lifting massive amounts of weights. He was this bulky dude, very, very muscular man, good-looking guy, from what I can gather. But the father, his dad, was abusive. Very abusive man. And I've heard stories about my grandpa and his abuse for years and years growing up. He had passed away. My biological grandfather had passed away before I was born. But he was a total... I'm going to say this is going to be hard for me to control my cussing too. But uh, he was a total jerk. We'll put it that way. Just to give you an idea of the type of situation um, that my family, my mother's side of the family grew up in. Their biological father would, for punishment, make them stand on the, you know, so coffee used to come in big tin cans, like a big tin Folgers can. It had like a plastic lid, you'd take it off, and then you'd have like a giant tin can. If you got in trouble, you'd have to stand on that barefoot. So the rim of the tin can would kind of cut into your feet. He was a raging alcoholic, I guess I should have said that first, so his behavior was absolutely unpredictable. One year, someone, one of the kids made a slight error, disrespected him, did something wrong, whatever. It was Christmas time, so he thought the best revenge, because that's truly what it was, it wasn't punishment, the best revenge was for all the kids to open up their Christmas presents, look at them, and then throw them into the roaring fireplace. This was the family that Jeff Ray grew up in. The mother, my grandma, my amazing grandma Ida, who has passed away now, She did her best to shield the kids as she could, but her her husband was just a raging lunatic. She wasn't allowed to drive. She wasn't allowed to do anything outside the house without his permission. He was such a bad alcoholic. I always thought this story was kind of funny. Again, I don't mind laughing at him because he was such an asshole, but one day he got so drunk he passed out on a railroad track, and the train came and chopped his leg off. So I think that's kind of funny because, you know, Shouldn't be picking on kids. Yeah, like I said, depressing episode. But anyways, then he hobbled around and he got a new like wooden leg or something like that. Eventually he fell down. He got so drunk he fell down, hit his head on a table and died in his sleep. My grandma Ida went on to marry an amazing man named Cliff Miller, who's also passed away now. But they had, I don't know, 30 years of marriage. And that was the grandpa that I knew, a very loving man. But Jeff Ray mostly grew up in the environment of his biological father. Not a good environment to be in. But Jeff Ray is a teenager. It's the 1970s. He's just out having fun with his friends, his brothers, his extended family. This all takes place in Orangevale, California, which even today seems like a tight-knit community. Now it's pretty much been encroached on by Sacramento. All of the suburbs have sprawled and become one mass. But back then, Orangevale was a lot of rural area. Like all teenagers, he kind of starts getting into bad stuff. And especially with his background, it's no surprise that he started getting into a a little bit of petty crime. And then not so petty crime. One thing they do is Jeff and his brothers start growing weed in my grandma's backyard. There's very, very nice soil back there. My grandpa eventually turned it into an actual vegetable garden. But in the 70s, they were growing weed. And one day they went out to check their crop. And it was gone. Someone had jumped over the fence and stole like two or three plants. Two or three marijuana plants. Now, to my new listeners, or I shouldn't say new listeners, to my younger listeners, that was an extremely valuable. I guess it's still valuable now, but now that you can pretty much just go to a store and buy marijuana, it's completely night and day. Somebody came over your fence and stole your weed. It was the equivalent of them stealing your business. 
like someone not just breaking into your business and stealing cash, someone actually stealing your storefront from you. This is how you made your money and then reinvested in more weed to grow. So my brother and his friends who had been cultivating these plants were furious that this had happened. Absolutely furious. And they knew, or at least they thought they knew who did it. It was a man and his crew known as Dominic. Not the whole crew. The whole crew wasn't known as Dominic, but the main guy's name was Dominic. These kids start rumbling throughout the streets of Orangeville. Sharks and the Jets. Except instead of snapping their fingers and dancing around, they're beating the hell out of each other. One day my uncle comes home, and he's just totally beat up. And he's very upset. He's crying a bit. My grandma thought that was so bizarre. Not just that he was beat up, because you know, that's kind of normal. You live in Orangeville. But that he was upset about it. She's like, what happened? And he goes, I got jumped. And he didn't even, there was no word for that back then. You would fight one-on-one. More than one person attacking you at a time is being jumped. There wasn't a word for it back then. He didn't even know how to describe it. He goes, I was walking down the street. A bunch of guys came out of nowhere, and they beat me up. And I couldn't fight them all off. And it shocked and outraged him that people could be such cowards. That you could actually be attacked by multiple people at once. He had never experienced that before. A new phenomenon to him. It was always hand-to-hand, or you know, maybe a baseball bat or a chain every once in a while. But it was combatant versus combatant. He would have never thought of bringing his friends to jump one person. And that enraged him. And whether or not he was right that Dominic stole the plant, and whether or not he was right Dominic had actually organized the jumping, Jeff believed that Dominic was responsible for both. Now at this point, my new grandpa, Grandpa Miller, is in the picture. And he worked for a construction company for many, many, many years. So Jeff gets the bright idea to go to his work site and steal dynamite. And he thinks it would be not only kind of funny, but a perfect final move against Dominic. He was going to throw dynamite in Dominic's front yard, make a massive explosion, a huge crater, and that should scare Dominic off from coming after Jeff ever again. Because Jeff didn't want to kill him. He just wanted to scare him. So one night, Jeff and his buddies are driving through Orangevale. They find Dominic's house. Lighten the fuse. That wasn't them peeing. It was them lighting the fuse of a stick of dynamite. Throwing it out of a car. And as they're driving away, boom! Huge explosion goes off. Everyone in the car cheers. A night to remember. Nowadays, that is obviously a terrorist act. But back then, it was just something stupid kids were doing. And what we've learned from other people on the other side of the story, Dominic realized what had happened. Someone threw dynamite into his front yard, and it didn't take him long to figure out who would do that. And he was terrified of Jeff at this point. He was petrified that someone would throw an explosive in his front yard by his house and cause a massive explosion. One day, Jeff and his girlfriend are driving through Orangevale. There's a little jack-in-the-box on Greenback, and I don't remember exactly what the cross street is. It's still there today, though. It's past the cemetery, so if you know the area, if you're driving down Greenback headed towards Sunrise, there's a cemetery on the right. If you go about two more blocks up, there's a jack-in-the-box. It's still there today. My uncle and his girlfriend were driving around town. They decide to go get some jack-in-the-box late at night. This whole weed theft, escalation of violence took place over the course of a couple months. He's in the drive-thru, and he's driving, and she's in the passenger seat. 
from if, if I can remember correctly. I'm trying to remember exactly what I had heard. But anyway, so he's in the driver's seat. She's in the passenger seat. And Dominic sees his car as he's driving down Greenback. He pulls into the jack-in-the-box parking lot and gets out. As my uncle's ordering his food, Jumbo Jacks, two tacos for a dollar, chatting up his girlfriend, he sees someone moving up alongside the car. He looks through the roll-down window and sees Dominic standing there with a sawed-off shotgun. And he puts it in the car and aims it at my uncle's head. My uncle looks at him and says, You don't have to do this, man. My grandma gets a call later that night. My uncle had been shot in the head with a sawed-off shotgun and survived, but suffered massive brain damage. He was paralyzed or had very, very little control of the left side of his body. So he had to hold wear a leg brace, and he would just kind of walk with this huge limp. And if he needed to do anything with his left arm, he'd have to grab it with the right arm and kind of like set it in his lap or move it around, things like that. His vocabulary had been reduced to around 70 words. His personality, though, was intact, and he was cognitive of things going around him. He wasn't a vegetable. He just had a hard time communicating things. Dominic was not charged for the shooting. The police chalked it up to gang warfare, which actually used to be a thing in California. That if you, in California, it's for, even when I was down there just a couple years ago, dueling was still legal. If two people showed up at a predetermined time at a predetermined place and had organized a duel, it was legal. And back then, gang warfare, if two people were duking it out or shooting each other, the police just chalked it up to, well, they were fighting. It was a gang turf thing. They no one innocent was involved in this. He was not charged for this crime. Nowadays, if you say the word gun in California, you get five years minimum. Back then, you could shoot a guy with a sawed-off shotgun, which is an illegal shotgun. He did not get prosecuted for it. Dominic, though, didn't have a happy ending. Just to let you know what type of class act this guy was, you may go, well, you know, he did get dynamite thrown in his front yard and escalation of violence and stuff like that, which is true. Which is true. In a vacuum, that is true. But just to let you know a little bit how Dominic is, he later did get arrested and go to prison because he lived in an apartment complex and then he went to the apartment complex below him, raped a woman, and then left her his name and number and says, if you ever want this again, give me a call. She made a call, all right, to the police. He ended up doing seven to ten years in prison. This is where I really enter this story. Growing up, I spent a lot of time with my grandma and my great-grandma. And after my parents got a divorce and my mom remarried, I stayed in Sacramento while everyone else moved away. So I lived with my grandma from about age 17 to like 24. And that's where a lot of my ghost stories take place is at my grandma's house where I've talked about the shadow people invasion and stuff like that. I loved being around my grandma and my great-grandma, my extended family. I'd hang out with my cousins and um, my... Oh, they were all cousins, but they were varying ages because all the uh, all of my... Um, all of my cousins were having kids, so I was like, they, my grandma was babysitting them, so we'd be just hang out and watch, like, I don't know what was on back then, Ben Force, what's that, Ben Alien Dude? Ben 10, Ben 10. I guess that was later, but anyways, I'm getting, I'm getting off the court. The point is, is that I lived in my grandma's house for quite a while after my parents separated. 
my grandma had to put Uncle Jeff in a home because he was six foot three. He was super muscular. Now, obviously, his muscles had started to wither at this point, but he was still a large guy, a still very like lean, giant guy. And my grandma could not take care of him, just physically couldn't take care of him. So she put him in a home. But every single holiday, she drove the two hours, three hours to go pick him up from the home, bring him back for the weekend. Mother's Day, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Arbor Day, Flag Day. I mean, he was there all the time. Any, sometimes she would just call him up and say, hey, you want to come out for the weekend? Now, it's funny that I say that. I was just about to imitate his voice. Because he only had a limited vocabulary, he would repeat the same words over and over again, but you could actually totally understand what he was talking about. It's funny because you don't need many words to talk about. And he would go. He'd, his, he'd, he'd always say man. So my grandma would be like, you want to come home this weekend? Yeah, man, yeah. Go. Fun, man, fun. And that was all he needed to say. It's almost like, I don't want to say like a Frankenstein monster. I almost feel like that's kind of making fun of him, but he, that's just his speech pattern. And he would come out, and all we would do is watch movies. Because it's something that you can sit and watch. And we'd be watching a movie, we'd watch an action movie, and it, song would come on, like an ACDC song, and he'd go like, ACDC, Psalm, twice, man, twice, Psalm, loud, loud, man. And you, there, that's all you need to know. He went and saw ACDC live twice. They're really loud. He loved heavy metal music. He loved action movies. We watched all sorts of movies, though. We were watching War of the Worlds once, and I looked over as the beginning when the tripod was evaporating everyone. I looked over at him and his eyes were super wide. I goes, this kind of scary. He's like, yeah, man, scary. <laughs> but anyways, what's those are funny memories. But then we would always watch the credits. And see, this is how he was still cognitive. We would watch the credits of the movies, right? And it's just lists of names. To you and me, meaningless stuff. I mean, not meaningless. Let me see who was in the movie. But he would watch the credits and he'd go, Doug, man, Doug. Dead. Dead, man. Dead. Because one of his stepbrothers, Doug, had died before he had. And he would look at this list of names, and it would remind him of all these people he knew. All of these people he knew would pop up. But every so often, his father's name would pop up. And he'd go, Dad. Dad. Hate him. Hate him, man. Hate him. Dead. It's, it would be uncomfortable because all just this simple name would pop up all these memories of his father. I don't remember. And, and the reason why I haven't said the father's name is I can't remember it. But he, he obviously remembered his father's name. And he would just watch the credits and go, dead man, dead. A lot of great memories hanging out with him. Really, really loved him. The ending, though, is tragic. He ended up getting cancer. And it was fast-acting cancer within six months of being diagnosed for it. He died, passed away. And it was sad. It was sad, obviously. My grandma said, I've already lost him once and really don't want to lose him again. But I feel like he will be at peace. I'm not a crier. I'm not someone who cries often. And when I do, the rare times I do, it's not in public. I very, very, very rarely cry around people. People have known me for 10, 15 years, never seen me cry. I'll get choked up. Maybe a little teary-eyed sometimes. But actually crying was super rare. I remember after my uncle had passed, and they had sent home his belongings from the home he was in. Now, I think you guys know me over the course of 273 episodes. People who know me in real life know this about me as well. I'm not a materialistic person. 
What people own, it doesn't matter to me. You own a time machine? Yeah, sure, that's cool. But I'm not a ownership. I don't believe, like, whoever has the most toys wins, or even you need toys. Like, I just believe that people can be themselves without having to own all this stuff. And it might even be more beneficial to not own a lot of things. Experiences trump owning things. Things like that. And I remember walking through the kitchen and on this little shelf, this little old-timey, like, 1800 sewing machine that my grandma put a tablecloth over and used as, like, a little decorative thing, there was a little Ziploc baggie that contained, like, a gold watch and, I don't know, a pair of dice, key. And and I I I lost it. I lost it. I got so upset seeing that and I just started like wailing it was just like I couldn't couldn't comprehend it and my grandma comes out of the bedroom and she goes what's going on and I said this is all he owned this is all he owned his entire life he died when he was about 42 around my age where I'm at right now so this is all he owned ever everything he owned could fit in a Ziploc bag now The reason why I'm telling that story to you guys is because I know I have an audience of a lot of young people, and I want this story to be a cautionary tale to you. The escalation of violence, and I'm going to keep the sermon short, and we'll get on to the ghost pirate story, but I just want to say this. The escalation of violence is not romantic. Okay? If you guys are having trouble with somebody out there, please don't do anything stupid. Please don't. Because it never ends well. If you succeed, you're most likely going to go to prison. If you fail, you most likely may die. Or, and a lot of people go, hey man, that's okay. Like, it's just how it is living on the streets. Like, sometimes you die. Or you end up like my Uncle Jeff. He was surrounded by people who loved him. And I have a lot of happy memories with him. But the reality is he was trapped inside a broken body. It may be romantic to go out there and fight to the death and lose and then people remember you and they wear your face on the shirt and stuff like that. But the reality is there is a high likelihood that if you lose the fight, you can be horribly damaged. So be careful out there, guys. And just don't do stupid things. The news is full of people doing stupid things. Just think. Because at any point... My uncle could have not thrown that piece of dynamite. You know, obviously I blame Dominic for the shooting, but my uncle was a better man than he was. And at any point, he could have just let the feud end and lived a normal life. So I'm putting that on you guys. I don't know why I've been compelled to record this episode today, but if this episode speaks to you, then it speaks to you, okay? Okay. Let's go ahead and move on to a funny story here. This episode may run a little long. We're just going to go with it, okay? This is a special episode, a special Friday episode, which I don't like doing long episodes because I know people have a certain amount of time. But let's get through this one. This one's a funny story. And this one was a story recommended by Merrick via Facebook. Merrick's been sending us a lot of good stuff. So let's go ahead and leave behind those sad memories. We are hopping on the Carpenter Copter, and we are going to Northern Ireland. I said that wrong, but I said that right. Just pronounced it weird. We're going to Northern Ireland. We're going to Belfast. We're going to go watch a YouTube concert on the roof. And then we are going to meet 
Amanda Large. Amanda Large. That is not a name that Bart Simpson calls up Mo. That is a real person's name. And this story starts off kind of tragically. Well, it's very tragically, so that sucks because I'm trying to get something funny. But Amanda Large, mother of three, married, ends up losing her three-month-old baby to sudden unexplained death syndrome. It was a, it was a big crib death, basically. It breaks her heart. Breaks her heart. She ends up leaving her husband. And she moves to Belfast. At this point, she was somewhere else. But now she's in Belfast. And you're like, Jason, come on. This story's depressing, too. No, no, no. Now we're getting into the good stuff. I just had to set that up. As tragic as that is, the rest of the story is ridiculous. So anyway, she's in Belfast. And it's the year 2009. And someone goes, hey, have you seen this new movie? It's really cool. It's about this cat pirate running around a Disney attraction. And she's like, what? She sits down. And for the very first time, she watches Pirates of the Caribbean. The first one. The only good one. And she immediately discovers this connection to Captain Jack Sparrow. She loves Captain Jack Sparrow. She's endeared by Captain Jack Sparrow. You're like, hey, Jason, I like Captain Jack Sparrow, too. Do you have his tattoos? Do you have gold teeth put in your mouth the way Captain Jack does? Uh, See, you thought you were a fanboy, but she's a fanboy. She ends up becoming the first female Captain Jack impersonator in Ireland, which, I mean... It'd be like just being the first Captain Jack Sparrow impersonator on any continent. How many are there out there? I know there's a bunch in Hollywood. But anyways, then things get weird. So this woman has completely changed her life to what she calls, quote-unquote, the pirate lifestyle. This is her definition of the pirate lifestyle. It is a lifestyle of freedom, doing what you want to do when you want to do it, being independent and not relying on others for your happiness, experiencing different lifestyles. I'm going to quit reading the quote. She's basically explaining a hobo on the water. Like, she's basically explaining a homeless person who has a boat. It's the exact same thing. But anyways, she becomes a pirate. She starts living the pirate lifestyle. She dresses like Captain Jack, matching tattoos, all that stuff. Walks around in Captain Jack gear all the time. But then, things get spooky. Because one night she's laying in bed. Something crawls next to her. She's like, wakes up. She's like, nothing's there. Go back to bed. Something's still rustling. And I don't know if it's that dramatic. I don't know if it's that dramatic. But anyways, what she said was, in the middle of the night, in her bedroom, appeared the ghost of a 300-year-old pirate named John Robert Teague. And she's like, oh my god. And she says that they talked for months and months and months. This ghost kept coming to her. Now, she starts to think that... John Robert Teague was the inspiration for Captain Jack Sparrow, and so is actually... John Robert Teague is a real pirate who was executed for being a pirate back in the day. But she believes that he's the inspiration for Captain Jack Sparrow, so basically now she's imagining a real guy as a ghost based on a fictional character. So she's basically just imagining a fictional character. People have said, no, 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 Jack Sparrow is not based on that pirate but they do share the last name not sparrow but like captain jack sparrow's last dad's last name is teague or whatever weirdness anyway she becomes convinced that this fictional character that she is that she loves is basically this ghost that she's talking to how convenient too like no one the ghost of megatron didn't show up in her bedroom it was the ghost of someone she wanted to see a ghost of so it's again a little convenient she ends up After about six months talking to this dude, she ends up realizing, oh my god, I'm in love with the ghost. And you remember that was a famous T-Pain song, but this was real. This was real. She actually falls in love with the ghost. However, she did make this statement. I told him I wasn't really cool with having casual sex with a spirit. 
and I wanted us to make a proper commitment to each other. Uh, Ugh. Okay, listen, guys. Girls, you can shut the podcast off for a second. Hey, guys, come on. Girls always say this, and it always sucks, but I would expect if I was a ghost, I'd get a little more action. You can't turn me down. I'm from the... I came from the other side. I penetrated the veil. Like, why is this dude getting blocked? He's a ghost. He's, it's been 300 years since he got laid, and you want to take things slow? He's, it's been three centuries. Okay, girls, you can turn the podcast back on. So, it was, everything I said was very respectful towards women, too. But don't rewind it. Don't rewind it. So, anyways, he ends up saying, listen, dude, if I got to get married to get laid... Let's get married. And she's like, oh my god, you really love me. And he's like, yeah, uh, love you. That's the thing. Also, girls, turn the podcast back off. When girls make an ultimatum like that, generally, a guy will be like, okay, let's settle down. Because if if my choice is no sex or pretending I'm in a relationship with you, I'm going to choose pretending to be in a relationship with you to get the sex. Okay, girls, turn the podcast back on. Oh, but anyway, so they do get married. They get married in international waters. I thought this was so funny. They go out into international waters, and she gets a medium. So basically, there's a guy there going, she's kind of like bobbing his head around, looking at a crystal ball, throwing tea leaves. The minister's like, do you, Amanda Large, and he double-checks the name. He's like, oh, I guess that is a real name. Do you, Amanda Large, take points to nothing? And the medium's like, and the medium said, I do. Spirits are flying out of his mouth. Snopes ran an article on this. Snopes is just ridiculous. Anyways, but Snopes ran an article on this and they said, did a woman legally get married to a ghost pirate in in the year 2016 or whatever like that? And they said, false. No, they didn't. And they wrote up a 2000 word essay and they said, you can't legally get married to a ghost. So no, it's not true. And I'm thinking it's not true because one, nobody knows if ghosts exist. And two... Nobody knows if this particular ghost exists. This particular ghost is a fictional character turned into a ghost in the mind of a woman. So that's why it's false. It's not false because the law doesn't recognize a ghost marriage. It's false because nobody knows if ghosts exist. Super bizarre. I was waiting for them to put that somewhere in there, but they're like, no, if we look at legal precedent, I was like, I don't care about legal precedent. This is a woman saying that Jack Sparrow is floating around her bedroom. Anyways, they get married. And for two years, everything's fine. Everything's happy. But, ladies and gentlemen, if you can believe it, they've actually gotten a divorce. Amanda Large and her ghost husband have gotten a divorce. But not because of irreconcilable differences. Not because he doesn't hold her enough. (laughs) Because he's a ghost. Arms go through her. It's because... This is creepy. It's because she said that her health began declining once they got married. She said that over the years, she began to get sicker and sicker. She felt like her life was being drained from her. And she said, it was almost like he was stealing my life force for his own selfish intentions, i.e. every marriage ever. But she thought it was more physical. While usually your spouse just emotionally drains you, this ghost was actually physically draining out her health. So she left him. She's decided to get a divorce. She decided to get a made-up divorce for her made-up marriage to this made-up ghost. And she said, this is smart. This is smart of her. She said, I think that I don't just need a divorce. I think I need an exorcism. Because then you can get the ghost fully out of your life. When real relationships go bad, you can just stop answering the phone. Or move away if things are particularly bad. Get a restraining order. That's probably in the middle of those two. 
stop answering your phone first, then get a restraining order. And if things still don't work, you know, move away. But how would you do that? If a relationship goes bad with a ghost, they are, they are immortal. They can follow you anywhere. They can watch you when you're not looking at them. I guess that's everybody. Everyone can watch you when you're not looking at them. They can be invisible and watch you. Every time you're watching a good show, they can turn it off. You meet a new man, ghost could be waiting. Ooh, dude, what if the ghost possessed the new dude and pretended it was him? And he's like, how do you feel about casual sex before the first 200 years? And she's like, no, it's John again. Has to perform an exorcism. A relationship going bad in the physical world sucks. It can have terrible consequences. But a relationship going bad in the spiritual world can be the worst. Because here's the thing. Even if she performs the exorcism and John leaves and can't come back, he's banished from being part of her life. And she goes on with her life. Everything's fine. Eventually, though, she will die. And when she goes to the other side, that horrible spirit that tried to devour her soul while she was here, now she's on his turf. Now she's playing by his rules. She may soon learn that the saying, till death do us part, is meaningless if your partner's already dead and have years and years to prepare for you to join him forever and ever and ever. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys. <laughs>